Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamflet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. The big good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Secret to review last night's AEW Dynamite and all the fallout from Forbidden Door. Yeah, I don't know what to think of this. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. It's yeah. all out of the shop. Uneven is the word I keep going back to mm. in these podcasts and my written reviews. It's just a wildly uneven professional wrestling show that is what it is now, and there are things that I like about it and things that I don't, and the things that I really like are pretty much awesome. I just don't understand how they're capable of these heights, mm-hmm. and yet they do things that just wind me up and are <laughs> stupid so much. Yeah. I, it's just what life as an AW fan is like for me these days. I've noticed a trend, and I've been very, very fortunate me and Sage alternate with the ups and downs, which you can read at whatculture.com forward slash WB, as usual. A transcript at this point when we're doing it, but so I've gone five and five this week, fair, and that it felt like that kind of dynamite. Um, but I'd noticed that there was a trend where like I was getting some really good ones, and like Sid was getting the ones that were like the, the struggling episodes and like finding the good in it and stuff. Uh, and then I said, It's just like the weird trend, but like the ladies' night thing where it's like first hour, second hour, first hour, second hour. No, it's just AEW, yeah, it really is. Like, they they put on a rematch of a genuine G1 classic and a total pay per view turkey. And both of them kind of delivered. Wow, like you can take, mm. you can take a great match and a bad one and still deliver these fresh, unique takes on these matches. And then you can deliver total garbage in the mid-card that has no right to be garbage because your roster's too good for garbage. I just had a very strange feeling coming out of this yeah. show. Like I didn't, I wasn't hyped for collision. This was the first dynamite where you got to see that all-in flag in the corner of the building for the first time. Mm. And that's a really effective little tool about getting your hype for, like, the wrestlers. It's a bit WrestleMania sign, but the wrestlers don't acknowledge it. It's there for us to look at rather than the wrestlers mm-hmm. themselves. Uh, and I should have been really buzzed because it was like, we are on the road. We are on the road to this is our big show here in the UK, Wembley Stadium, record setting. So when he can't told us back in Vegas, shut up about Dublin or things. We're really excited about Wembley and fight forever and da-da-da. And nothing about this show 
got me on track for it. I was kind of fired up at various points. Oh, I me too. finished watching it in a really good mood, but I think that's just Sting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just Sting. Sting going, ah, put my body on the line again. Just ins- ridiculous, that bump. I love I've that. Got, I'll, I'll get angry at that spot, but not for the uh, bad faith take actors online because, well, we'll get to it. We'll get, get to, to it, it in due course. Uh, let's dive into this show because, like you say, it was, it was all hour the shop. Um, but it started brilliantly. John Moxley versus Ishii, um, which, you know, arguably after, you know, especially our takes on Forbidden Door, I was a bit nervous about because we went into Forbidden Door and we were like, yeah, it was good, but it suffered from people going, this is going to be the, the best, best show of the year. These, all these matches are going to be dream matches. And there was a bit of me like, uh-oh, it's probably not going to have that much of an issue because it's Mox, but are we going to go and go, oh, God, Mox, she it's great, or oh, the G1, da-da-da-da-da. And then you start beating the shit out of each other. And I was like, oh, no, it's still, still fine. No, no need to be concerned about this. They start off with the G1 Climax stare down like they did back in 2019. Uh, and then you just chop and forearm the crap out of each other. Um, Ishii fires up, comes out the corner with a, short, a, corner with a shoulder tackle. Uh, so Moxley bites him in his nose. So Ishii bites him in his nose. Uh, Ishii got sent to the floor. Tope. Moxley starts celebrating. Um, there's obviously Castagnoli and Yuta from the BCC. They sort of surround him. Don't do anything. Eddie Kingston's music hit. He comes out, grabs a chair, argues with Moxley as we go to a break. When we come back, Ishii just starts no-selling forearms from Moxley. There's a big superplex and a two-count, and they just start trading forearms back and forth, and it just keeps going. Um, Moxley, uh, after an Ishii combo, spins around and just does the... I'm just going to say the Takeshita spot now, basically. <laughs> Looks like he's knocked Ishii goofy. Uh, there's a Gotch-style pile driver in there. The hammer and anvil elbows. Ishii just flips him off, so Moxie puts him in a bulldog choke. He hits a King Kong lariat. Ishii kicks out at one. Oh, my God. Uh, they both start trading knee strikes. Mox, there's a load of kicked outs at one, oh which my, is just oh my, oh my really God. good for me. Um and then they just both collapse, of course, because you can't do that forever. Um, then they just headbutt each other until someone gets busted over. Yeah. I can't work out if it was one or both initially, uh, but it was Mox who got the worst of it, obviously. He hits the paradigm shift. Ishii kicks out. He goes for the Death Rider. Um, Ishii avoids it. Paradigm shift. Lariat, two count. Ishii just no-sells a cutter, hits the sliding lariat, uh, goes to the Brain Buster. Moxley spins out of it, though, hits a Death Rider, two-count. Ishii, desperation sort of inziguri. Moxley just fires back, curb stomp, Death Rider, one, two, three. And post-match, Eddie Kingston's like, well done. You didn't need these bell ends, did you? Whoa, what an opener this was, Sige. I loved it and thought it just, just, just reached great. Two things kind of dragged it down for me. Um, well, three. One, just wasn't as good as a G1. Sorry, yeah. it just wasn't. Mm. Two, AEW's just so busy. <laughs> it's just so busy. Like, the music hitting. Why did the music... I thought that. It's, the music hitting is so WWE at the best of times, or rather, the worst of times. <laughs> Kingston I, would hate his music if he was in a pay-per-view uh, main event. And he would hate, like, well, what's this for? I'm going to a match. And he's, his character is, I hate the traffic of TV. I hate the bollocks. I just want to fight. If it's it's one thing to do the music cue, if you're 
doing the big heroic return or the big heroic save. If he's just coming out to make sure it's a fair fight, <laughs> why does he need the music? I can tell who it is when I see Eddie Kingston's face. Especially when, you know, the, the archetypal music hit is either the distraction finish Ugh. or we're in the middle of beating someone down. Oh, my God, so-and-so's here. They hadn't done anything at that it point. It works. That's the thing. It works in context in theatre. And, in fact, they've normalised it so much that I've just grown to accept it. This was so jarring. Why did we need the music here? Like, ridiculous. And also, I'm not being funny, this crowd was whack. <laughs> uh, what, me, Hamilton, were they? Yeah. yeah. Me and, and that t- inspires terror for me to have to dedicate two hours of my weekend to watch Collision when it's these same fans except half of them in the same building. And the one guy that might get him up wasn't advertised in the match window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is as well, like... Uh, me and Hamlet are big proponents of there are no bad crowds, only bad booking and bad matches and middling stuff. Like, come on, yeah, get up for this, get up for this. So, I just I'm not saying every fan was terrible, <laughs> <laughs> chiefly because some of them replied to my tweets yeah. and said they had a nice time. But generally, it was just a pretty lackluster crowd. Mm. So they got up for elements of this, but it didn't have the big fight. We're allowed to say this because we've been in one of those lackluster crowds. Yes, exactly. Course, yeah, yeah, I know how that goes firsthand, and it does yeah. like does help your assessment of it a little bit. And it just didn't have that supercharged, volatile. This is just incredible atmosphere that this match warranted. Mm. So those three things were just a bit, ugh. But then when they did spark into life, like I love this dynamic. Everyone loves this dynamic. It's like they are when they are no selling, they are selling. If that makes any sense whatsoever, it's this desperate, ultra violent, maybe for some people tastes too physical attempt with the kickouts at once. Like, no, I'm harder than you are. Like, no, I'm a tougher guy. No, I'm I'm, I'm harder than you are. I'm going to prove it. And then obviously they do the delayed registered selling of which Ishii's uh, infamous and so great. He gets you every single time. He pops up when you don't expect him to pop up. And he just collapses when you think he's still got the fight. It's just, it's so, how does he do it? How do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> like, I just don't understand how he's so great at it all of the time. It started to get really ugly in a beautiful way towards the finish. Like, ultra dramatic. Like, the fact that they went longer did sort of verge on the epic without really landing to that level. But nonetheless, a fantastic TV match. I just love that defiant, no, I'm harder than you are. I'm going to get up. Just love it so much, the magic. Yeah, the escalation for me was really what made it. Like the you move from forearms into chops, in uh biting, in uh high spots into headbutts. It's like they've both got their sections of like, well, I'll level up to that then. Well, I'll level up to that then. I'm better than you. Just this like this such a nasty game of one upsmanship, but there is a certain pride element yeah. hanging yeah. over the whole thing. Um the there was something else as well. That was what it was, the production. Like, should have broke the immersion, right? You know, you've got them doing the head-to-head spot, the foreheads, like, they practically give a busting each other up and just going forehead-to-forehead. Yeah. But you could tell, because we were watching the clips from uh, Forbidden Door, the referee was telling them, not yet, not yet, not yet. You're in the little screen. Yeah. And the second, like, and I'm screaming at the telly, like, end these fucking replays, like, I'm ready for them to go. And then you can you can see the referees, if you watch, like, the referee's lips, he goes... Okay, let's go. Because now they know the back on full screen. He's obviously had the thing in his earpiece. Yeah. Straight away the t shirts are off. They're just they're absolutely spoiling for it. And it just felt so real. The thing that should normally remind you, oh, this is fake, and they're thinking about TV cues, couldn't have made it feel they've been busting to fight each other. And that was really, really exciting. 
Um, and I was just in love with the post-match as well. Like, I think this whole thing was elevated, including, like, the Claudio and Kingston stuff, uh, by what we got in the back afterwards. Them staring at each other, which is great. Yeah, the I daggers. Like, like, was it, was, it was Claudio, wasn't it? Who, like, they won, he's like, yeah, with his T-shirt <laughs> holding out the Blackpool Combat Club sign. Just, he's staring a hole through Eddie Kingston, and Eddie Kingston's staring right back at him. And you was like, yeah, and, and we won, so, off, yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, more on this in a bit um, because Renee had a very busy night. Uh, before that, she's backstage um, waiting for Adam Cole's arrival. It might have been earlier on the day, to be fair. Uh, backstage waiting for Adam Cole. He turns up. Uh, but before we can really get anything from him, beep, beep, here comes MJF. Great line of, oh, mate, oh, what a great excuse. I wish I'd have been sick so I didn't have to work for Bindor. Good. Genius. Uh, he says, look, hey, we got off on the wrong page. Um, you know, big chance for you to win, win a Gold in this company, eh? Now in the tag team, uh, you know you're not good enough to you know beat me. But hey, no one's on the level of the devil. So, uh, but if, any, if anyone's close, you you bloody surprised me. You took me my bloody limit, you know. Uh, imagine what we can do as a unit. Uh, we can run this entire company. How about this weekend we hang out, just a couple of bros? And Cole's like, what? <laughs> All right, fine. Um, but I'm gonna go and say hello to some people. I'll. See you around, arsehole. Uh, his words, not mine. Uh, and MJF's like, oh, but before you go, I've got, I've got something for you. Some new merch. <laughs> T-shirt that reads, better than you, baby. Um, Adam Cole's like, great. <laughs> can, can we do the other one with this? Yeah. There's only the two segments, isn't it? It wasn't like a runner other than the, the yes. second segment. Yeah, yeah so... Uh, Roderick Strong, this is later on the show, before just before the Jack Perry bit. Roderick Strong's chatting to Adam Cole, saying, you know you can't trust MJF. Uh, and MJF says, hey, partner, hey, generic white guy. <laughs> right? And I've, I pointed this out in the office earlier. I hope that the running gag for weeks and weeks now is whenever MJF and Adam Cole are there and someone else comes up, whether so who's it, jacked. Some, it doesn't have to be jacked. He just says, oh, you, you look bigger. Because they're next to Adam Cole, and Adam Cole's a tiny guy. And nice, da, 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 da. yeah. Get Rio there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, Rio, you're looking... Yeah, um, and anyway, MJF later on at this point was like, yeah, you're looking big. Don't take it too... I'm not just saying... Yeah. Uh, let's not stick around any longer that we absolutely have to here. Uh, let's head off for team bonding, and uh, Adam Cole sort of reassures Roderick Strong, look, he, MJF's... I know what he's doing here. And, but if he's doing this, he's not watching his back, and he's not watching this bloody show, obviously, um, but I'm fully aware of what's going on here, so don't worry about me sort of thing. Can you like the performances without liking the content? Because I do. Like, I, It's impossible not to enjoy MJF in this role, and if you don't enjoy it, then you're probably not watching AEW anymore because you've seen it like eight times. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I love him. He's brilliant in this specific bit he does. Um, the silly before the serious. And it's great at this because they've done loads of serious. Remember how they front-loaded all the series to build up the match, the half-an-hour match? Yeah. So it was like, oh, they've, they've gone through all the serious stuff. So this is a bit of a reversal of the MJ thing, and yet it's formula at the same time because you're doing silly, and then they're going to go back to serious mm-hmm. for the rematch when they get through the blind eliminator or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I've, I, lo- I do love the chemistry between them. I just found this way, way too lightweight, even for the regimented, silly section of the MJF feud, of which we know now is the formula. Um, I also, I really can't make my mind up on the the latest mm, invisible camera, right? MJF is, like, the character is online. Mm-hmm. So do you, how, like, what are they doing here? Is Adam Cole saying, he don't want to show. Like, 
Is he trying to double bluff MJF by saying, I know you're going to watch that I said that, so this is the real quiz. I knew that, so I win. Or is MJF going to not watch and then not see the plan? When they do this, I always find it a bit jarring. Just just have it like... Don't have an invisible camera. Don't dare manifest that. I'm not manifesting an invisible camera, but how does that end, right? Because, like, MJF's like, you stupid idiot. Like, I was watching you on TV... All along, I knew you said that. And then Adam Cole's like, I know you'd know, so take this super kick. So, like, that's, that <laughs> seems like a long way around to, like, double bluff him and fool him. And if MJF does turn on him and say, well, I knew you were in this all along just to try and fool me, do you think I'm stupid? Then that makes Adam Cole, like, the idiot baby face, which is a stupid role. I, d- I just thought all of this was a bit too fluffy and lightweight for a, for a thing I like. Fundamentally, yeah. I like it. I like the two of them together, but I didn't. I wasn't particularly into these. I'm going to let it play out. I will let it play out. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. It does feel a bit lightweight for a world title program. I also, at the exact same time, know that it will get deeply serious as it progresses for what will be the fourth time of about 40 podcasts. I know that, well, I think that it's going to head in the direction of MGF actually falls under Adam Cole's really charismatic spell yeah. of the nicest guy and gets really resentful when it's turned out to be a ruse. And I do think there's potential for the storyline to unfold in like a really serious and cool way. And they can overlap some blind eliminator cool stuff. But ultimately, I it feels like one wacky MGF main event level program too far for now. That's again, possibly it, yeah. So soon after the Sammy one, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm feeling a bit of burnout on the idea. Possibly. Yeah. Well, I'll let it play out. I'm, I'm entertained in the moment, but no, I do make, get your point. I also think it's a salient point Hamlet's made about the MGF character is online. He will do things to spite the people online who love New Japan and Tanahashi, for example. So if he's a guy who, on Twitter, he will admit that he vanity searches and that his character has gotten to about hardcore fans who apparently resent him, mm-hmm. he would therefore know about the show whether he watches it or not. But again, we've said this before, we critique this show not realizing that there's blank pages we've not seen yet. Mm. You know? So we'll see. Um, I don't know if it's the punk are coming back and teasing and foreshadowing, in fact, the idea that he's going to resume hostilities with MGF brings into focus, as entertaining as everything MGF has done this year, my God, I want him to feud with CM Punk again. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the money. I don't want to step on our own dick for the preview next week, but I do really want to see a montage of these guys hanging out this weekend. Oh, that'd be great. That's the thing. I'd want to see that. Obviously, I do. Playing computer games, MGF being like, oh, yeah, I like video games. He's bought him like... um. Uh, what was the T-shirt again? The Better Than You Baby. He's bought him like a Better Than You Baby like armband, like the Undisputed Era one. He's really put these on. Like that sort of thing. Going around to the... Oh, well, can't go around to the house, actually. Yeah. Adam Cole has to stay with MJ in MJF house so he doesn't catch... I presume maybe he gave what he had to Britt Baker, hence why she wasn't on the show. But imagine they're like, oh, Britt's ill, so probably best you come and stay at my house. And so he's uh, they've done the stepbrother's bunk bed spot or whatever. <laughs> Or the funniest one is obviously, yeah, let's go and work out together. And he's brought literally like kids' weights. Oh, there you go. I've got yours. I should get mine on. Bang! <laughs> Adam Cole's like, I'm going to have to go. 
So I'll come with you. Uh, are you sure you want to? I will. Bobby Fisher's pulled the red robe in his house, so he's one of us has to go and see him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, let's get to uh, Renee Paquette, furious oh, with John Moxley, uh, who's there with uh, Claudio and and uh, and Wheeler Utah. Uh, Eddie Walk- Kingston walks in. He's rowing as well. Always had Moxley's back. Now you're palling around with a scumbag like this. Uh, Moxley, I don't care about Chikara bad blood. He storms off. Paquette's like, Eddie, you need to fix this because I'm done. I absolutely loved all of this. Favorite bit of the show by Miles. I want to compliment everybody's performance. Like, I'm going to, I don't mean this comparison to an Oisage. You know, when like we were loving Sami Zayn and the Bloodline because you could watch it that many times and enjoy the individual performances of everybody. Yeah, it was really in depth. I've done that with this because you would like look at the faces and be like, look how they're reacting because they're so in it, they're all reacting to it. Everybody is great. It's worth, how many people are in this scene? Five people. It's worth watching it five times because you there is the guy that has no right to chip into any of this does. And it's just like, you want to like, you want to slap his lips off Such basically. Twat, he? <laughs> in Claudio, the best way. Yeah. Claudio like massaging the shoulders of John Moxley and massaging his ego at the same time. being like, yeah, he's, he's right about it. Moxley is the funniest man ever. We've said this before, the funniest man in pro wrestling and the guy that was given a red wagon by WWE mm. because like, I think AW might have booked Moxley better. You know, <laughs> While he's delivering the Eddie don't take this seriously, which he knows Eddie takes everything seriously. Yeah. So that's like, that's this flawed logic that he's got anyway. But while he's delivering that, stop caring about the Chikara thing, like we're not bothered about it. I knocked this guy's teeth out once upon a time and we're still mates. It's like referencing the bar spot. Yeah. With the, like, the pull. I'd forgotten that that was him that did that. So that was a great thing that was clearly like just off the top of his noodle because he's John Moxon, he's got it in him. But Renee Paquette being used here, Possibly for the first time. Is this the first time she's been John Moxley's wife more than the backstage interviewer? I think it's about the first time she and John Moxley have interacted on screen in AEW. Really well saved and preserved for this moment mm. because she is. We know Renee Pickett. Better than when WWE went. What's going on with John Mo- uh, with the Dean Ambrose eh? after he turned on Seth Rollins? He's just like, yeah, well, he doesn't talk about it when he's at home, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, put her on the spot once a week when it can't possibly make sense, Corey. Go on, like the I like this. This maybe the first time she's done it. We know her as a force for good ultimately as a professional broadcaster and even in her capacity as John Moxley's wife what I loved here the little subtle nod about knowing who's right and who's wrong in this whole thing was that she went to Moxley first saying what's the problem and then she goes to Eddie Kingston fix it as in you're the solution so she's acknowledging who's the heel and who's the baby face even though she's married to the heel because she's good and she's a pillar in all of this and I I loved that specific detail and it reminded me that the BCC and Elite isn't the emotional core anymore. It's Kingston and Moxley, which the is an ideal. BCC and the Elite was never the emotional core, and that's what's mm, troubled yeah. me throughout this program. Clearly, they were positioned as surrogates for CM Punk and his attitudes towards the Elite all along. As great as the action's been, and as much as I love the mystery component with Takeshita and stuff, as a proper stable war, this has never really clicked as an all-time great storyline. Um Love the action, like, to death. But I'm glad it's taken this turn because I never really bought it. And I'm glad that hopefully it's coming to an end um, at Blood and Guts, which was announced later in the show. I just love that. What are you playing at, John? Yeah. It's, I, I just believed it. Like, it's Kingston and Moxley, isn't it? Like, Kingston's right, but so's Moxley. About, yeah. you, do, you do need to chill out about Claudio. But then Kingston's got about six other things that he shouldn't be chilled out about. And it's, it's, and all the law. What is it like? You referenced something from the 2021 feud. Remember when I saved you, like, da, 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 I've, like as relates to the original Elite feud? And like, it's got me watching Being the Elite again. 
because the Young Bucks were like Saint of Kingston. It was they showed bits from before Forbidden Door, and they're all backstage prepping. And so you remember, like, not being funny or anything, Eddie, but those shoes were really expensive. And when he did the like, the, he, he called it like I think Nick Jackson called it like you know when he did the old the WrestleMania 18 truck gimmick, Hogan Rock, and Kingston. You talking about like the song <laughs> drove the car into us. Like it's it, when it's got me watching Being the Elite again. It's like Kingston's back. Yeah, Eddie Kingston's Kingston is back. back. Yeah, he's and just the it. best. He's the guy who can make. Famously, he cut a promo about a cookie on BTE when they first brought him in, and it was like class because he's Eddie Kingston. Mm-hmm. He's he can feud with anyone. Mm. He can feud with anyone over the most like like what's the word I'm looking for. Just the most nothing. Trivial. Trivial, mm. correct. Of the most trivial of matters, and that it means everything to him. That he's just the most most useful, valuable guys in this entire promotion. Uh, we get a video package from the Omega Osprey 2 match from Forbidden Door, which is well worth checking out. Those two can go. Uh, and then we find out that, unfortunately, as I alluded to earlier, Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho uh, for the Owen Hart tournament wasn't on last night's show. Baker's ill, which... When you think about it, it makes a lot of sense with yeah. Adam Cole missing Forbidden Door. Uh, Soho's uh, going to squash someone later. <laughs> Basically, the match will take place next week. So, obviously, that doesn't count for um, Ladies' Night. Now, obviously, that negates it, yeah, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. Well, it's not the match we predicted, so. <laughs> um, uh, uh, <laughs> serious, aren't you? No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> I well, we just, I think, you know, because it, it was an Owen Hot Cup match, that's kind of given priority. If I knew it was going to be a squash match, I'd have said it would be later on the show. But. Um, then we get. I uh, did really enjoy the Orange Cassidy find two partners uh, set up on Fantasy Premier League. Mm-hmm. Do they? Oh, don't get me started on that. That winds me up just as much. Well, do they give you points if you play and missed it, or is it? Or do you have to consider every single angle? You have to consider every single angle. This was squad rotation in those terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, what do you think of Orange Cassidy picking his partners for this next six man? Just I, you're, you're the closest to me. Cute, isn't it? It's a bit cute, I guess. Um, kind of resented all of this. Yeah. Lee's got a uh, beard dyed again. Something else he needs to work on. I think that's there's a reason for that. I think well, he's got the whole thing dyed, I should say, yeah. So the Swerving Our Glory thing. What they like, eh? I think that's a, I think that's a red herring. <laughs> face. I'm just despondent. I think that's a red herring, and they're getting back together. Sw- like, that draw happened, like, off screen, and Swerve knew. He's like, Keith, mate, neither of us are doing that well. Like, and he's gotten in Keith Lee's ear. Die hair again. Let's be swerving our glory. Let's kick ears. Swerve's doing well. Local affiliate, sir. It's like, I've just lost to Tanahashi. I lost to that guy. Things aren't going great. Mm. Like, and they put them back together, and you think it's going to be the sort of, well, how are they going to get along? The answer, really well. And they decimate Orange Cassidy, who's injured off the back of this, of them working together, and swerving our glory, get back together, and it's, it's better <laughs> than a singles match between them. All of this is too cute. The setup. The idea of like the random match graphic. I know it just scanned as charms to me, this. It's, again, the excess has kind of killed approaching 50% of my investment in this promotion. He's done the blood. He's done the debut. He's done, like, every conceivable thing in under four years of televised product. And now he's done these guys teaming with these guys one, you've got a blind eliminator for this exact purpose. I know Tony Schiavone mentioned this is the kind of thing you'll see in the blind eliminator, so it served that purpose, but I, you know, I saw it last week. <laughs> I know what the purpose of the tournament is. I've seen the draw, and I've seen the storyline permutations and the wacky ones at that. 
if this was like the best version of itself, I might not have been cross with the idea that it, that it existed. But this match was so low stakes and wacky. <laughs> it's becoming a bit charmless. This this guy teaming with this guy and. That guy? <laughs> What's going to happen? Can I just do some serious one-on-one feuds that I can really invest in? This wasn't impromptu and felt it. It was so yeah, realistic. Yeah, that was... Like, these are, the, this wasn't like WWE clipboard stuff, and yet it felt that way. And I kind of, I'm with Sage, I kind of resented this match. Because I know, like, Keith Lee's not had the best of runs in AEW, but certainly Orange Cassidy in the form he's in with Keith Lee is weird. And it's like, and you know what else? Like, and you just think, oh, like, the King God, like, this can't fail because, like, that thing will happen or that thing will happen. And yet, none of them did. The funniest bit was the Daniel Garcia bit. And the rest of the match had no charm to it whatsoever. It was it was boring. How was this boring? And, uh, like, that was, it was so boring before it got botched beyond yeah. belief. Oh, God, yeah, there was no coming back from that, was there? But, like, <laughs> and the crowd again being dead, like, it didn't help, but this was the match where, like, when you're not giving them anything to come up for, yeah. so... Kind of a nightmare, this one. Yeah, but we still got a nightmare. Daniel Garcia doing a dance on someone's back was goaded. It was. It was. Good spot. Yeah, it was Daniel Garcia, uh, Cool Hand Orange, Daddy Magic versus international, international Champion Orange Cassidy, AAA Mega Champion El Hijo Delphi Kingo, and Keith Lee. How oh, these come together? Because they're all stood together in the back, basically. Um, <laughs> the Kingo dominates early on, double springboard arm drag on Garcia. Uh, Parker and um, uh, Orange Cassidy come in. Uh, Parker combs his hair. Orange Cassidy steals his comb uh, and uses it himself. Um, oh, that's funny. <laughs> Garcia <laughs> tries to attack, uh, gets trapped in a bow and arrow. Vikingo hit a double stomp. Uh, Menard trips Vikingo. That allows Garcia to take over, I think, into a break. When we come back, um, they decide to dad, uh, cool hand engine, Daddy Magic, mock Keith Lee on the apron, who, of course, then comes in and just runs wild, steamrolls over everyone. Garcia does his dance on his back. Lee powers up, sends uh, um, two-thirds of the JS out to the floor. Vikingo goes to do this big dive, and I think what was meant to happen was Keith Lee was meant to, all in one movement, catch him in the sort of powerbomb position, then use him as a wrecking ball. But they both fell over, and then just reset up, and then he just went, I'll swing you around a bit. <laughs> both doing the face palm. What's that? Read this out. I was, <laughs> it was excruciating. This word. excruciating. Word. I was so. It, I, there was no pity here. I just felt like this is amateur hour, trying so hard to do something that was ultimately a bit stupid anyway. And maybe it would have been charming and like, oh, if it came off. But my God, what's going on with Keith Lee? It's just, he's, uh, like, that's brutal. It's kind of brutal to watch pretty much everything he does. Maybe that's why I'm, maybe it's a bit of a coping thing that I'm thinking the swerve in our glory is a red herring. It's just because I want something better for him and the tag team. They were really good. That's probably the answer. Really, like the, really, let's really try them good. as heels in this division that isn't really a division anymore. Mm. That's, I won't mind a look at that, like them as heels. Yeah, especially them reuniting after that big blow-off match, are they? Um, <laughs> what happened? This like a year ago, wasn't it? Well, it could still be going on. My thing about them staying together is not what people are being led to believe, is it? The idea is like, they can't coexist, can they? They um, hate each other once every... <laughs> they hate each other once every two months. It's absolute shit. <laughs> Lee could not be held back from getting swerve, apart from when he stood patiently on the ring waiting for a tag from Dustin Rhodes. Get to the finish so I can bury this a little bit more. Bingo <laughs> <laughs> hits a moonsault to the floor to take out Parker and Menard. Garcia got a two count on Cassidy. Dragon Tamer. Parker eats uh, an orange punch. 
Lee just no sells the chops from Daddy Magic. Hits him with a supernova one, two, three. This was the second trio's train wreck in four days. Dynamite needs CM Punk. How are you doing? <laughs> this is just like amateur hour. Oh, yeah, the forbidden door. I was trying to think what was the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah amateur hour, completely off the rails. Like everything that people bury AEW for, manifest. <laughs> <laughs> like wacky, lightweight combinations. The anti-personal issues, draw money approach that AEW has become besotted with over the past year. Like, way too cute for its own good, I think, before it failed. Like, a total laughable, like, I don't want to say it's like The Fiend, but if someone that I know walked in on me watching this, I'd be like, oh, God, I'm not just these shindy lads doing this. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just embarrassing. It, it's the only word is embarrassing. I'll tell you what really annoyed me as well. I don't know if there was a production hiccup, if... Excalibur's monitor went out and he couldn't see what he was talking over. They did this bit where they provided a bit of context for the match where Garcia in 2.0 had issued a challenge and this was filmed and they were interviewed and then Excalibur just talked all over it. Yeah, I noticed mm. that. So I could hear, it was when the match was happening as yeah. well. So I was like, I can hear the match, the inset pre-tape interview and then the commentary. I'm thinking, what? What are you doing? Who other than Tony Carmel? Like, I can hear it perfectly well. <laughs> I can ascertain what's going on here. I can hear the, the interview. I can hear the match ambiance of the, of the crowd. And I can hear the commentary. What, what's your problem? It's like, this is a man who can book the Casino Battle Royale and not realize that no one else knows what it is. <laughs> Come I'm on, guys. You know the phrases show and tell. Yeah. Do both. More. Well, all the match jo- was already set. I've like, got four <laughs> jobs, so I can do this. Like, I don't, Tony. <laughs> I've got one job. Two kids and a wife and all the admin that comes with everything. Uh, that's enough for me. <laughs> How can you do four incredibly high-profile jobs? Just calm down. You know what? We know what is calm. Collision. Yeah. The punk at a bloody decent stuff with this. <laughs> it's out dynamite. Oh, damn it. It's, yeah. Uh, nothing else to add on the matter. Like, uh, obviously, a chronic disappointment. And if this was like... Bear in mind, this was the follow-on for uh, Orange Cassidy and Danny Garcia off the back of... Sunday, mm. and it might have been to show you two more opponents for Cassidy and Keith Lee and Vikingo. I don't want either of them now. <laughs> what a profound failure. <laughs> like, uh, this doesn't do anything to, like tarnish Orange Cassidy's singles run whatsoever. No, no. But it hypothetically, doesn't. when you put him with people like the Battle Royal, it's like, oh, I fancy a bit of that now, a bit of that, a bit of that. This was the opposite. I could take a couple of weeks off from Orange Cassidy at the minute. Ooh. And you're not getting one. Blind eliminator. Like, oh yeah, he's with Darby Allen. Yeah, yeah, he's too over, far too over. Um, a proper needle mover, maybe one of the biggest in the company. Like whenever I, my Wednesday night routine is, I just go to bed because I do this job, and I'm fine. It's a privilege, and I love it. But you know, you do sacrifice some personal time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on a Wednesday, knowing that I get up really early for AEW, knowing that I don't want to miss anything. Mm-hmm. I can watch a bloody watch wrestling raw while I'm making a cup of tea when the kids are up. Mm. I don't want to miss anything from I'm going to say like that. Tuesday is the early start because it's an hour even No, early. no, no. It's, it's, not, not. <laughs> it's not. And so I've made the sacrifice. I don't do anything on Wednesday night once the kids are asleep. I'm bathed and fed. Right. 10-minute control center. Oh, yeah. It's my little tradition. And you go on the AEW YouTube bit on my Fire Stick app. 
the first thing you see is the two most watched videos have got Orange Cassidy in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he's on the show. Most weeks he's so great and inventive that he justifies being on every single week. But I just thought this was why. There are certain times where I do feel like, was this necessary? Does he have to be on every week? So if he's not doing a title defense, it's a party trios match or a, or a match of Darby Allen. And 99 times out of 100, it's always great. Mm. But my God, this was not. Uh, let's move on to Shindy Nonsense. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Young Bucks and Hangman Page. Sorry, just rubbing salt in the wound now, aren't I? Because uh, I'm so cross watching this. <laughs> <laughs> they... Uh, they're doing a big open challenge, uh, and in comes the Dark Order. Uh, and John Silver basically is like, sounds good. And Hangman Page is like, oh, okay, I suppose we could do like a, a 12-man tag, you know, six of us versus someone. And Reynolds is like, no, 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 we want to fight you guys. Uh, you bailed on us, says Evil Uno, despite the fact that we were there for you in your darkest moments. You sided with these two. Uh, Page tries Christ. to explain himself, uh, but accidentally sort of says, oh, baby was babysitting you in the entire time. And Reynolds says, look, we're no longer friends. Tonight we're opponents. We're going to kick your ass. Right. Uh, you'll note that when Sidge has been calling out for the punk, throwing at the punk signal in the air for this dynamite, I don't want to particularly, this is not like a punk elite culture war victory lap thing at all. I was dreading, like, talking about this specific segment, and to a lesser extent the match, because it's the books and page and the works, fundamentally always going to be great. But I was dreading talking about this because I was like, I'm sick of the anxious man and the cowboy bit in this specific context. And then, like, I had a look... On like, other than the obvious circles that we're just going to, like, bend our for it. But, like, me and Sidney have had the chat this morning. It's like, it's a bit lame I and boring. It. I hate and it. And just, like, actively, and, like, actively resented for more than one reason. I, I just, I was really, like, the, it, it's really disjointed because at various points they've dropped and picked up this Hangman Page Dark Order thing. Yeah. Very unlike AW and the Elite specifically. They're very careful with their saga stuff. But you've kind of never been told exactly what to think, like, 
there's weeks where he does pick them, and there's weeks where he doesn't. There's weeks where he seems more disappointed that they've okay, come back, guys. <laughs> like that's what he does, right? But they're like the books of dicks. At the core, right? And yeah. he's like, I'll pick these, they're just cooler. Like, this is, this, is where, <laughs> yeah. this is where the money always was. This is where it's always going to be. You're a bunch of losers. And then the dark order just expected to just take this a week. And then, like, the turn heel. Come on, guys, what are you being dicks for? <laughs> so, so, like, hang on, are you the gaslighter now, Hangman Page? What, like, it's a bit of everything and all of it's nothing. Yeah. And, like, I just think that they've, I don't know if it's overthought or they've got lost themselves or the Chris Cressy whiteboard has just fallen over and everybody's lost track of where everybody is. But it rolled over into the match and the post-match. And, like, it's almost an in-character thing for the Dark Order to look as pathetic as they do now, both in terms of their actions and the numbers. That fits. It's like a full circle thing. And here we are, like, alone again, naturally, that whole deal. But I just, it doesn't help you have sympathy for either side. No, it's not even the continuity that I have a problem. I'm gonna, when you go into the match, uh, just do the recap after this and then I'll bury it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even the continuity because unlike Hamlet, I do think that they've every now and then revisited it. Mm. I don't think it's the tightest story. I don't think it's the best story, but they've had Haman Page in the Dark Order interact indirectly. I don't think they've ever wanted to just drop it outright. They've wanted it to lurk in the background for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And my worry is that the reason was revealed in the context of this match and oh my God, I can't be asked with this <laughs> anymore. So as if Renee's not had a hard enough night, you know, working out all over all over the arena, running back and forth interviewing people. She's had a bit of a row with her other half. And then I assume this for you two would be like when you have like a bit of a bit of a Barney and then you've got to go to say like Parents' evening, and you're like, oh, for family f- barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> so Renee's now got to hang. That out. wasn't a recent example. A of kids' it. party at a soft play. Because <laughs> now Renee's got to. Has never with, happened. Now got Renee's got to hang out with Chris Jericho and Sammy Gavon. <laughs> Can this not get any worse? Uh, but Jericho's to banging on about the pain maker. Uh, first time ever, obviously at Forbidden Door, Sting and Jericho in a ring together. But this is bigger. It should be on TBS. There should be Tony Schiavone commentating. Uh, should like like it should have been years ago. Um, you want to talk about getting dark, Sting? Well, tonight you're facing the pain maker. You want to get dirty? Let's get dirty. Let's put that white paint in the dirt till it comes up a bloody mess. Sting, you're going to have the nightmare of one more time in the ring with Chris Jericho. The nightmare of the pain maker. I love this because Chris Jericho, thankfully, knows this is crap too. Yeah. I was like... Drinking his own Kool-Aid. A week, or not a week, sorry, and that was on sun- Sunday. Days of people going, pain maker, that's shit. <laughs> like, Chris Jericho's like, I agree, and I'm going to let you know that. He doesn't, he doesn't. He thinks it's great. No, I can't. He, no, he, he does. He wants to do a film. <laughs> I'm not joking. Do you know no, this? but your delivery of that was so good. No, he's doing a film. Hamlet, the pain maker cinema. Has he, has he seen Samoa Joe in that new film? He's like, I want mind a bit of that, actually. I thought this was really That's funny. quote? No. Are you he's, want- talk, he's talking about like the pain maker and like the... He's like a serial killer or something like that. Yes, I did see this. And he asked a question, which... To be, to be fair, it's been on the minds of most fans. What if the pain maker falls in love? <laughs> <laughs> Have you not seen this? That, somewhere buried <laughs> in the back of my mind is that. What if you fucking imagine? <laughs> <laughs> not just the pain maker in full gimmick, just plowing someone from behind or whatever, with that, like, uh, face, like, twisted in, in bliss. Just imagine the pain maker, like... <laughs> Just lying in bed at night. Like, you know when you first meet, like, the love of your life? Yeah. 
and you just you do the game of are you waiting to text me back and not doing it? I don't know how kids do it, but back in like 2011, there was the don't text back too quickly, otherwise yes, you'll be too, too, too keen. keen. Yeah. Too keen. I don't know how it works on like you know these bloody apps or anything. <laughs> but that was always the crack. Like, mm-hmm. don't message back immediately. It's a desperate move. So just wait half an hour between. It was a stupid game to play, but it's just how it was played. Just imagining the pain maker with his hat and his spiked jacket. In bed, it's going, huh? Was that, t- was that a text <laughs> notification? Oh, no, it's just some spam email. Oh, Jessica didn't text the Painmaker <laughs> back. Because obviously, you know, Painmaker is, a, in his words, an intergalactic serial killer who's reformed his evil ways and now searches the galaxy to hunt down and arrest all the serial killers. But he also still has the urge to kill innocent people. He has to give in to those urges from time to time. <laughs> His words, not mine. He said, uh, look, let's be honest, guys. How many more Spider-Man movies do we need? Huh? I know, Sp- I know Spider-Man. We're Spider-Man were kind of the last guys to solve crime. <laughs> I know. Spider-Man, bit by spider, shoots the webs, works on the newspaper. It's done. I know it. <laughs> the Bartram is like, uh, Rucker Howard plays a futuristic, narcissistic cyberpunk. Alan Bartridge. Also like this sort of... So- if he shags, does he become the lovemaker? yeah. <laughs> Maybe that could be one of the lines. The sex offer. The sex offer. <laughs> it's just... Have I made up the... What if the paymaker falls in love? <laughs> no, I, mean, I didn't see it. Go- in this. Google it, please, right now. I thought he was burying the character here to put over the law of Sting. That's why... Because at the end, when he bleeds, he's the one bleeding. He's the one with the face <laughs> paint gone. Pulled it... Right. Here's the twist. You didn't go far enough. <laughs> right. Hang on. Because <laughs> apparently the character, he thinks the paymaker's... The great oh. hooter. That's all he does. Then. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it continues on from where I picked up. Rob. So he's an intergalactic uh, former serial killer, now hunting down serial killers, but also kills people that's as well. Because that's just in his DNA. He's a flawed character. Exact verbatim quote here, Sige. <laughs> <laughs> What's the playmaker? Falls in love and then just can't help himself and kills the one he loves. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. I'll retract it off. Idiot. <laughs> Well-meaning fool with a bad idea. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I also like that the, the end of the article is like, Chris Jericho has previously, previously appeared in MacGruber. <laughs> such a weird sort of like... <sighs> not, the only, uh, not the only show that, of course, he's been involved in uh, other than uh, wrestling. How did they figure out it was him? Uh, the mass singer, eh? <laughs> I like Destiny. Yeah, he's your Destiny. He's asked to go in there. He's like, I hey, don't need to provide your outfit. I've got one. He just turns up and he's a pain maker. <laughs> God, who is it? <laughs> I want to know what love is. I think it's all the, all the casual WWE fans would still have any idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would, would they? No. I like that guy, but what's his story? <laughs> can, is he, can he love? <laughs> is he capable of love? <laughs> he looks a bit... Maybe he's too evil for that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I kiss you. I kill you. <laughs> 
Throw me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. <laughs> He was absolutely great at this main event. Yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah. He was great. Uh, I thought he was great in this promo until this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Time for Hung Bucks versus Evil Uno, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds of the Dark Order. Skip. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Nick Jackson, Alex Reynolds starts off. In comes John Silver. He's like, I want to fight you, Hangman Adam Page. And he sort of reluctantly comes in, tries to apologize, and then locks up. And then he sort of... Uh, uh, gets gets uh, um, Silver's back, so Silver hits him with an elbow, and hang with Page. Like, oh, we're wrestling, are we? Okay. So he wakes up, brings in Matt Jackson. Evil Uno comes in. He gets a nice reaction to, in Canada, of course. Not really. Mm. Well, the chant, the mildly chant, we want Uno at one point. Yeah, yeah. It's proud as ass. <laughs> uh, Uno takes out both of the books eventually, after some involvement of Reynolds and Silver with a with a double clothesline. Um, Gets into it with Hangman Page, turns around, double super kick, big dies from the books onto all of the Dark Order. Um, the books take control um, whilst telling Page, come on, get involved, um, into into a break. <laughs> it's so funny how much the books like love beating up the Dark Order. You don't need them anymore. Absolute scruffy losers. <laughs> back in the money. <laughs> so, didn't see shirt sales, it's come back. Hot's all cash. <laughs> There's a miscommunication in the books that allows Uno to get the hot tag and runs it's so wild. well timed. So oh yes, it's like, awesome. They're the yeah. best. Uh, Uno hits that ref-assisted neck breaker and pile driver on Nick Jackson. Hangman Page breaks the count, refuses to fight Uno. Uno slaps him, so Page gets the legal tag and comes in. The books save Page from the pendulum bomb. Uh, Reynolds and Uno get taken out on the floor. Page hits Silver with a lariat. Waits too long, and so as he goes to the bookshop, um, Silver hits the Hurricane Rana. Um, but Page counters the home run kick from Silver into a dead eye. BTE trigger from the books, and Page hits the bookshot lariat for the one, two, three. We'll talk post match in a second because I know you want to talk about the match first. Oh my God. I can't. I don't think I've ever seen a match as exciting as this that I've resented <laughs> yeah. so much. I want to say before I bury this, and it, I don't, it gives me no pleasure whatsoever to bury. I'm not doing this in bad faith at all. I am or was a fanatical, elite, earnest law nerd, okay? The last three to five minutes in that range of this match, some of the kickouts, the timing of that miscommunication spot with the Bucks, like. Oh my God. Oh my God. Some of those hangman sequences with Silver, where you thought he's going to lose. Mm. Hangman Page is going to lose. I could not believe it, and I was so exhilarated. And yet, this lingering resentment just pervaded the entire match for me. I kind of hate it, like genuinely. I'll uh, guess I'll see where it goes and let it play out and all the rest of it. This lived down to every single criticism that the elite in what they do and the stories they tell, like, sort of attract. Mm. Every single criticism was just embodied in this match, and it was just one of the least self-aware things I've ever seen, especially on this program. Um, For an act that... I find this obnoxious, frankly, on BTE. As much as I love the Tony Khan guided elite verse in mm. AEW. Like, I only ever liked BTE in patches, pretty much when Cody and Brody Lee were on it. <laughs> and they are 
so self-aware to a point that comes incredibly cloying when they're telling jokes and like insider gags and doing their bits on PTE and how they're extremely online and all the rest of it. How do they not know that this is the lamest f***ing shit at this point? <laughs> I, it gives me no pleasure to say this. It, when I saw the Dark Order thing with Hamlet on page, I was like, this again. Like, who cares? Does anyone care? I don't care. No. When Hangman Page was like, ah, can't buckshot John Silver. Just buckshot him. <laughs> just <laughs> just made it. your choice. Buckshot him. It was like the most melodramatic drivel imaginable that I'm conflicted. I can't do my moves. So like, I get it. I absolutely get what people genuinely hate and worse, laugh at the Elite Four. Mm. And I watched it last night and I bloody got it. And it made us feel sad. Like, I understand what this is. It's soap opera. It's episodic TV wrestling. It requires fundamental tension at every corner. Often it's really contrived. It's mm. just what it is. It's the medium I fell in love with as a kid and just can't quit. God damn it, can you not just be mates for three f***ing months <laughs> and just fight the Blackpool Combat Club? Yeah. And just be mates and make it feel like it's real and he's our friends again before... When they started teasing tension between the elite, I was like, oh, f- f- stop it. I hate this. I resent you. I feel embarrassed like being fans of I yours. I read your tweet this morning, and I could hear your voice saying, was, especially the all caps bit. I haven't seen this tweet. Why do the Dark Order have to factor into this? And I know the answer <laughs> to tension within the elite again. Just yeah. be mates for a while, and it will have so much more. It's like anything. It's like anything. If you <laughs> just... I'm just showing him the tweet, sorry. That's sorry, right. I, thought, I, I read it out. fully agree with every aspect of it. read it out yourself. Right, huh? So I just said... Wait there, it's a bit far away. Sorry. As an earnest nerd who has loved the Elite Saga, my first thought watching the tension between Hangman and the Bucks was, for f***'s sake, lads, you've just made friends. Go and work the punker. Yeah. Like, there's the rap on the Elite... I honestly think it's pretty cool that the Young Bucks, from their perspective, have made so much F.U. money that... They're saying it. We're not going to work the punk. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do this. We don't need to do the carny thing. We just don't need to do this. We're principled. We're not going to do it. On some fundamental level, I think, you know what, fair enough, lads. That's great. When people say the elite just want to work alongside their friends and tell the self-indulgent story, I just got it so crystal clear last night mm. with a bullet. And then the last three minutes were like, Jesus Christ, this is, I'm climbing up the walls with how incredible everything's timed, every twist, just the drama was unbelievable. What are the Dark Order doing here? What's, What's Hangman Page being a parody of himself? He felt yeah, like that's it's the take. Self, that's it. self parody. How do you not know what people say about you, Hangman? I just thought, you know what, just go and work with CM Punk, for fuck's sake. It's, even if, the thing what people, while I'm on, will they work together or should they? Yes, they should because this is drivel at this point, okay? Yes. What people forget, it's not just, right, will they work with each other? Can they stand each other? It's never going to work. Do you want to know why? Who wins yeah. the feud? Who wins? Who goes over? That's uh, the yeah. first. Like, no, the, neither of them are, are going to want to do the job here. Yeah. It's just not happening. It's not happening. I wish it would because self-parody. They've reached these depths before. Like Matt Jackson's acting 
with the remember the trios match when yes. he was like, oh, I don't know, I can't fight Kenny, even though I like John Moxley a bit. Can't yeah, they were turning Kenny. in real time, weren't they? It wasn't a pre-planned turn. Yeah, like, right, are we in or not? Or yeah. And then the next week, they had the chandeliers on the heads. Became Dior Young Bucks, and it was the, the best heel yeah. <laughs> that they've had in AEW thus far. Next week might be incredible. Yeah. But this week was a parody, self-parody with no self-awareness whatsoever. And I was just like, oh, come on, Paige. Do you not see what they say about you? I think they do work, and Paige wins, by the way. I think this is proper, like, Jeff Jarrett tappy head stuff from CM Punk. He creates this awesome heel run to build up to the few that everybody wants. And then he, like, does business. And he knows what business is, and business is, like, losing to Hangman Page. is like, as a proper babyface, proper heel dynamic, which the first match never had. Like, this would be He's a very different character running into CM this. Punk is low-key Jericho this on a work with the young guy stuff. He's oh, low yeah. Low-key jericho it, so I wouldn't be too sure. Uh, well, post-match, uh, after the uh, Hungbooks got the victory... It was, it was the last three minutes were amazing. Yeah. yeah. Here comes the BCC. They uh, hit the ring. Moxley, Claudio, Utah. Um, beat him up. Dark Order just watch on. Walk away. Uh, Utah hits a brain buster on a chair. Um, on uh, Matt Jackson, I believe. Kanosuke Takeshita is there. Oh, my God. Looking amazing. Don Callis also there. John Moxley nails Paige with a screwdriver, busts him wide open. Eddie Kingston runs down to make the save. He just gets beaten up by Castagnoli and Utah. And then I think, is that, was it the one, one bit where they just sat on a chair on him, basically? Yeah. Um, Moxley, I think, had his back turned, so didn't see this, of course. Uh, and he trapped his arm. That's it. Uh, but Moxley gets on the mic and said, it's time to end this feud once and for all. Uh, July 19th, Boston TV Garden, Wicked Pisser, uh, Blood and Guts. I got once and for all. I've reached the end of my limit. I'll see you in three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Weird storytelling choice, that. Aye. Uh, you've got a take, though. So, aye, there was a... It is odd that it's not... Right now, it's... Because obviously then the crowd in Canada aren't going to care because you're announcing a match for three weeks in Boston. It's not any part of this yeah. swing through Canada they're having, so there's no reason for even Hamilton to be like, oh, you know what? It's in Toronto next week, so we'll travel to that. It's not. It's just it's back in back in America. My... This could be very generous. The date is when Kingston is going to be working a G1 match. And Moxley, a bit like he how... definitely? Yes. Yeah. A bit like how when oh. he booked... Like in that backstage segment last week when he booked the five on five. Oh, tough titch. You haven't got any mates. Like as if he was trying to get the advantage in the 10 on 10 before Kingston stepped up and was like, I'll help you. And I've also got Ishii. Like that could be an in-character choice of Moxley to A, not want to fight Kingston because Renee's had a word. B, he's scared of him. So he's trying to book a match when he knows Kingston can't be a part of it. So as an in-character thing, again, this could be very generous and it's just, it's just not in the match. Tough tits. That could be a nice in-character choice, and it delays more physical confrontation between the two. You need to build the match this. Yeah, because the match is huge. This so. huge match that's kind of disappointed. Yeah. There are probably have 300 AW matches of like more than either Blood and Guts, you know? Yeah, well, this is the thing, right? The Blood, I thought like, the announcement... Off the top of your head, think of a random hidden gem from AEW Dynamite that you've loved. Moxley versus Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah. Like it's that's the, that's what Dynamite is, isn't it? It exists for Moxie versus Tom Hirishi on the show. I could probably think if I had a couple of hours, three hundred <laughs> matches that I've liked more than either Blood and Guts match. It got no reaction, but I don't think it deserved one. Mm. This is them paying like a three-year penalty on the Blood and Guts stipulation, never quite delivering. Moxley was literally bleeding as he asked for Blood and Guts. So it's like on any given week, you get what this match was supposed to promise three years ago when Vince said. We don't do that sort of thing. And then Cody tees. When six months, we're gonna. And it's kind of like Andy Murray was on Raw saying it. Yeah, and it's gonna, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna blow the roof off because it's different. It's not different anymore. It's another thing that has suffered under the excess. Yeah. Um, 
the best version of this match can't exist because Brian Danielson won't be in it, Eddie Kingston won't be in it, and Kenny Omega might not be in it. He'll be in it. I think he will be, but like at, least, at least two of the three won't be. It's that, fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, he genuinely is fine. And if Kingston's in the G1, then it's Hanger, the Bucks, and Kenny. Kenny versus BCC and Takeshita. Yeah. Now they might have... That's a shame because the Ibushi mystery element was fun. We kind of assumed that was going to be part of it. So that's it probably was. Well. Danielson could make it. I oh, maybe, yeah. I didn't. And did I just, say on camera, I'm going back to Japan, or someone said he was going to Japan. They would probably yeah, have plans. He he's not this. here, is he? Yeah. They might have to shelve them. Hmm. Either way, I want to see Kenny in this match. I think yeah. this match needs Kenny Omega. Yeah. Uh, we got a video package hyping up Collision, and of course, the big star on Collision. Juice Robinson. He's in action against Ricky Starks. We'll talk about this, of course, tomorrow on our preview. Yeah, I'm not talking about it today. Uh, Dustin Rhodes, um, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Roderick Strong versus Samoa Joe. Oh, my God. Um, this was then with then Roderick Strong, Adam Cole, MJF. Come on. Come on, you. Off we go. Team bonding. Uh, and then it was time for the, the bad guy to come out. Jungle Boy Jack Perry. He comes out. He's got bloody sunglasses on. Indoors. What's he playing at? Hey, And it's night time. Von Wagner wouldn't approve. <laughs> Should have got that on the soundboard. Note to self. Do you know he fought in a Raw Underground, Von Wagner? I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, what a discovery that was yesterday. Really? Bit of yeah. Overlapping law. When he wins the WWE title, that'll be like cameo appearances you didn't know about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they uh, showed like classic bits of Raw Underground to excite you on NXT, by the way. How am I more into Von Wagner than I am half of this show? Jungle Boy, even when you were a boy, you were born in a building and now you are a man. That makes zero sense, Jungle Boy. If anything, you should be called Building Man. <laughs> <laughs> building Man Jack Perry. Like Von Wagner carrying the red pen over the down. I like it. I like <laughs> it. <laughs> he's there, he's like WWE's World Washington. He's going to like tighten up the continuity. <laughs> uh, right, so he tells him to turn off uh, uh, Baltimore, says you bloody ruined that song for me. Uh, I've got a car waiting in for me in the back so I can get out of bloody Canada whilst you're stuck here in the wildfires. Uh, I'm cashing fat checks and banging the hottest bitch in AEW. A sunglasses inside sex haver. <laughs> that's, that's who Jack Perry is now. Uh, he said, did I turn on Hook or did everyone else turn on me? Uh, I've given everything to AEW and then you expect me to pal around with a second generation entitled fraud with this title that isn't even recognised by AEW. God damn it, Chris Jericho tells everyone how to work, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, I that's, that's Jericho's thing. Yeah. I never needed Hook. Uh, the, only, the team was only popular because of me. Last time I was in a team, I was a world champion. The big asshole chant, of course. Uh, and Jack Perry says, ah, it's a chance for you, mate. Um, he uh, says, I know what this title means to, to Hook and the, his family, though, and that's why I'm going to be taking the title off him. Uh, and he's setting up for a big... Go home line, but Hook's music interrupts and he runs down to the ring. Perry bails through the fans, through to the back. Taz is on commentary saying, I can't wait to see this guy gets ass whooped. Uh, and then we see backstage. He was right, the car is waiting for him. And Jack Perry dives into it just before Hook can uh, get there and, and scoots off. Post match was genuinely really good. The slapstick of him diving headfirst into the car was funny. Everything else. I tell you one thing that I think is very, very fair to point out. I saw the crea- uh, this got savaged on Twitter. In my opinion, deservedly so. I don't think it was good. One thing I will say: in a very quiet building, we got probably the loudest reaction all night. 
other than for Sting. Was that an accident? Because that, that, I got that from when he said Toronto, and I think that was just a mistake. No, he was doing the bit. I that was the bit, was it? He hasn't, got the, he hasn't got the comedic timing down. I thought he was just, he meant, as, like he said. No, he was doing the classic bit. And for, okay. uh, like, yeah. oh, I, don't, I think so less of this place that I'm going to get the name wrong. I don't was, even care where I am. In he was dressed like Christian, so he's supposed to like see the... Like the two things, like the I just don't think he was good at registering the joke or yeah. timing it correctly <laughs> or delivering it. Um, my take on this is that it's so it's a weird one. I don't think that Jungle Boy is meant to be presented as a cool heel, hence why he did a really good bit of physical comedy in his defense at the end of the segment. He's meant to be playing a cosplayer, and yet he's kind of still bad at that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, everyone's going, oh, Jungle Boy with his terrible dialogue. There's an element of you're meant to think he's an idiot who's just the success has gone to his head and he's turned into a little brat. He's meant to be playing a brat heel who isn't, in fact, cool despite mm. the various visual signifiers of what a cool guy looks like with the glasses and the and the, and the, the shades and the leather getting, jacket. Yeah, getting the jacket from drive to wear. Yeah, like... <laughs> You're meant to think that he's cosplaying a cool guy. I don't think he's doing that version of the heel role particularly well. Like the Hamilton line, they got it. They did get it in the bootum, but he didn't deliver it particularly well. He's, you know, I think he's meant to be the high school bully dickhead guy without the self-awareness to realize that he's not a tough or cool guy, really. Mm. I still don't think he's doing that particularly well. Um, I don't think it was as bad as everyone's made out. People are talking about this like it's a, uh, oh, top of my head, like Butcher and the Blade debut level disaster mm. or the uh, the squib explosion at Revolution. Like, I don't think it was that bad. No, no. Just a bit fake feeling. But that's the thing. He's meant to be coming across as a fake tough guy, but he's not very good. At, I couldn't get my head around that aspect of a it. Wink, and he's like, banging, banging. Yeah, he wants you to think that. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. It's quite. He was given quite a hard task as well because he's got to bury that belt six foot under and then want it, and that's not the easiest task. Like, he only wants it because he wants to hurt the, the Taz family. Yeah. Hook Taz. Hook Taz. Your dad, Taz, Taz. Taz. Right there. That's why he wants the belt. It's not because of the prize of the belt. Yeah. It's no job in reading your letters in PWI. Uh, no, he's just... That's the hard job to do, is that? And he... Not yet. It's his first night as a heel. Mm-hmm. So I think that was quite a... There's a lot to get through here. And I didn't realise it had been savaged. I'm kind of not surprised, but I wouldn't go in two-footed on it. I think he could do a better job of this. Because the physical stuff was great. Yeah. He ran 100 miles an hour and I, honestly, a car. I've not got the best track record for predictions. I detest people who are braggadocious about this, okay? I said, like, two months before he became the Redeemer, Miro's about to explode. Like, trust me, I think he's going to explode. And he did. So I've got previous... I think I'm gonna want, I'm gonna be the one to say because everyone hates this. <laughs> I'm gonna be wanting to say I think in a month this will work. I'm just gonna say in a month, heel jungle boy Jack Perry is going to work. Is there a bit of random law that I've just thought of here? Was there a bit with was it the mania where they did the hardcore title where Christian's bailing in a car and holding up a cha- championship? Or is that if I got the role? WrestleMania reversed? 18. Yeah. He doesn't leave with the belt. Yeah, he, he gets, he's got a car waiting. He's like, yeah. one, two, three, yeah. And then 
then someone nicks the. Is that right? Have I got, got that confused? That sounds right because I remember there was a lot of change that night. I remember like Molly Holly getting hit with a yeah. stable door, but that's how Christian won the title. Like boosh, yeah, right, she was leaving. I um, I did wonder if we were supposed to think possibly about who was driving the car. Like, has he got Christian on board? Or as Christian said, like I'll like I'll take you there. And by the way, while you're here, why not try on this jacket? <laughs> like that color scheme looks pretty good on you. Yeah, that sort of thing. Like I wonder if that's. You know, as as part of this, this Jungle Boy thing has failed. It's not the worst. It's a bit. It's been fan cast, hasn't it? That he goes back with Christian and yeah. Luke Soros, and probably a step back for him. But I, I did wonder. Self, remind me to ask you what his new theme's going to be on next week's preview. He's got rid of this now, hasn't he? So did like did Baltimore have a second single or a B side that <laughs> nobody like was really into? Like that thing I was telling you about Wigfield when she'd done Saturday Night, and then her second song was Another Day. <laughs> it sounds pretty much the same. Mm. Before Saturday, if anything. Oh, 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 oh. It's just like you've linked it ever slightly. Uh, Ruby Sobis, Alexia Nicole came next. Uh, it was a squash, obviously. Um, Some cool suplexes, though. Yeah, this yeah, club hey, a bloody backdrop suplex. She uh, also still gets the help of the outcasts. Like, great. I don't know a lot about Alexia Nicole, but... I didn't think that Ruby Soto probably <laughs> needed the help here. Um, but yeah, some suplexes in there. She gets the rubber glove off Paul Turner. Lock jaws her. Obviously, there's a lot of DMD references in there as well. Um, they spray the L on her. Does uh, Soraya and, and Tony Storm. Uh, and Soho gets on the mic and says, uh, Canada's finest here wasn't the original opponent, of course, but due to the filthy germ-ridden country, Britt Baker's sick. Uh, Baker and Cole used to be a power couple. I hope they never have kids, though, because they're going to be weak little bastards. Uh, <laughs> a year ago, she, Baker said, uh, I don't know, didn't know who I was, but I love who I am now. You're a shell of yourself, Baker. You barely beat me on your best day a year ago, but since then, the outcasts have taken everything from you. They've taken the title off your army of skanks, uh, and next week... Uh, I'm going to take your chance at being a two-time Owen Hart Cup winner, uh, and I'm going to leave you left with exactly what you are. Nothing! I thought all of this was a blast, end-to-end. What a negative into a positive. If mm. I'm starting to think, by the way, that uh, they worked a pretend Tom Lawler-Adam Cole match so that Adam Cole could be ill, so that Britt Baker could be ill, so that this could play out the way it did. <laughs> yeah. Because this could not have gone any better. Um Ruby Soho versus Britt Baker would have happened this week in what feels just like another retread of the Outcasts versus mm-hmm. Britt Baker and Friends feud. And instead, it's now completely reheated by Ruby Soho telling us all, this is a year in making, mate. Like, it's funny how, like, a lot of these Outcast promos centre around some very real initial hatred of working with Britt Baker that they can summon. Because if there was any of that, like, we used to hear about the heat in the locker room backstage. Yeah. If any of that is, like, it's... Presumably all like all the beefs have been yeah. squashed, but it's pretty great that they can lean on that and be like, like down the lens, you made my life a hell, and now I'm going to do the same to you. And it feels so real. But like, Ruby Soho was fantastic here. This outcast thing I is... I like the callback as well to the Owen Hart Cup thing. Because, like, yeah. make, obviously Adam Cole's in a world title... Well, in and around a sort of world title feud. But I'm glad that they didn't just go, yeah, you won it last year, but who cares? So. Yeah, it's like everything's spiraled for me until I met these guys that vindicates the whole formation of her joining the outcast, the whole deal... I think this is a tremendous success story, and Ruby Soho being as particularly vicious as she was here only added to that that suplex. They're pulling up from the cover, as by the way, at the time you could see Soraya tearing up a fan sign, acting like, "Oh, we're done here," so I'm just going to finish doing this, and then she picks it up. She's like, "Oh, we're not done. She's going to do some more." Like the outside of the ring acting was fun as well. Uh, I love the backdrop suplexes because I'm a sicko. <laughs> Tell you one thing about this as well. I thought the promo was good, not great, but effective, mm-hmm. and I just like the fact that it existed. 
and the idea that they've stumbled into this situation where they can't deliver the match that was advertised, so they've instead delayed it a week and then shot an angle-slash-promo to hype up and promote the match next week. That's weird. It makes it feel like a bigger deal. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you should do this more often across the board in that women's division. Before we move on... It's time to play the game! Time to play time the to game! Play game. <laughs> uh, before we get to the uh, name of the game, so what's the aim of the game? The aim of the game is to identify to the hour, minute, and second the first note of the first time you hear the first woman coming out for the only ma- match that the women have on Dynamite to just really underscore, um, italicize, and embolden um, how apathetic it is. The same in one match every freaking week. Of course, it gets no heat. They don't care. The name of the game? Well, this is ladies' night, nothing in a word of nader. Shout! I didn't forgot to give him a shout out yesterday. Shout out to the brilliant uh, Adam Blair and Jose Palomares, who always take care of the um, data. Thanks uh, of this. Just wound up now. Adam Blair, Adam Wilson. I'm thinking about Hangman Page. Adam Wilson four on Twitter. Um, Sage, what were the timings that we uh, went for uh, for this? I'm just realizing you waited. Then Grumpy puts one away and then he's realized that he needs it again. In descending order. order. If I can learn it. Nope. Willborn, zero hours, 47 minutes and 13 seconds. The cursed numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Hamflet, one hour, six minutes and 12 seconds. Michael Sidgwick, one hour, 24 minutes and 56 seconds. Baby. All of us way off. One hour, 32 minutes and 33 Ooh. seconds. But the point goes to Michael Sidgwick, who moves to seven correct guesses this year. Uh, oh, yeah. Have I got that right? Hang on, wait a no, second. you haven't. I don't think uh, Jose Palomares does. Or Adam Blair. These are, I've got confused here. I'm sure. I, what am I on now? Well, it says... I think he's got these confused, because I swear you were on six, weren't you? I don't think it was on that much. Was there? I don't know. I mean, that's... June League. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a sec. I'll, I'll come back to this in a second. Yes, because instead, we can. Uh, we got something that um, I'm sure is going to make Sidge go. No. I mean, no. Trick either. No. No. Oh, this this match, Jesus Christ, Sidge. I think we might have to reinstate the uh, Rampage <laughs> preview and review because we're getting Matt Hardy and Brothers A versus Johnny TV and QT Marshall. I will say. It was nice that they put the the brilliant thing of, of Anthony Bowens and, and Holly Cameron on Dynamite, yep. so more people yeah. could see it. Obviously, uh, Holly Cameron did the moan. Johnny TV got a bit confused, uh, and Taz really. What enjoyed did she this. say after saying it? After doing the moan? Oh, I can't remember now. Yeah. Muffled. But yeah, I hate this crew. I hate this crew. Rampage has become the. We need to. Resign the young bucks, or we want to resign the young bucks. Um, they just like Matt Hardy a lot because they idolize him. Let's give Matt Hardy stuff to do, so that the young bucks don't get knocked. That Matt <laughs> Hardy doesn't have things to do, and let's just call it AEW Rampage. I think like Tony Khan needs to take the chance. Eric Bischoff sacked X Pac and Hall and Nash didn't leave when they offered him more money. <laughs> like just <laughs> really sorry about Matt. How many more zeros and t-shirts is it going to take? I was a Rancho Cucamonga looking. Fancy an extension? <laughs> or something? I don't know. No, no. <laughs> uh, and then Why do you just uh, look at SpongeBob Square Pants with his ass out? That's, uh, that's, I've got to give out. 
<laughs> on your computer. That's, uh, that's uh, Jose Palomares at the O11's Twitter feed. I'm trying to find oh, right. the yeah. previous week's latest. His night. pants look ripped in half. I thought they'd done some kind of like bubble butt effect and you were just perusing it for your pleasure. Yeah, that's, my, that's my private uh, collection. SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> um, yeah, we talked uh, about the fact that uh, <laughs> in the rundown of matches, SpongeBob SquarePants. Excalibur. Does he, does he out of that ass? Like what happens with SpongeBob? Like he's got ass cheeks then. So like, what comes out of a what comes out of SpongeBob's bum? I don't know. Water suds. Got has got anything on the front? I don't know. Sponge knob. Sponge knob. <laughs> we got a chilled if anything. <laughs> but then it gets water on it. Expands. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> this I was do that all the time. This this was where we found <laughs> out made of that. Uh, uh, we're getting uh, Swerve and Keith Lee as a team against Derby and Orange Cassidy in the Blind Eliminated Tournament. My uh, good actually agenda will continue next week. I'll let it play out. Yeah. Um, and then we got the main event. It was uh, Painmaker Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara versus Sting and Darby Allen in a tornado tag match. Darby Allen immediately fires up shotgun dropkick Sammy Guevara. And Jericho hits Sting in the arm with the bat. So they do a joust basically with their bats. Uh, Darby Allen comes in. Uh, Sting manages to hit a stinger splash, but uh, Guevara hits Darby Allen with a top rope cutter. Uh, and Guevara and Jericho put the boots to Sting until Guevara gets the ladder and hoists that in the ring. Darby Allen got sent into the ring steps, and so, I don't. I, I had to rewind this because I couldn't understand what happened. He got sent to the ring step, steps, steps, um, <laughs> ring steps, and Dewey flipped over them and then sort of landed his back on the barricade, but then still sort of landed in the front row, almost on his feet, basically. He's done this bump before. It's tremendous. Wild. Yeah. The shape of his body is quite incredible to look at, yeah. isn't it? Uh, Sammy, Gavora, Sammy Guevara was like... Called Sammy, Gavora. Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara. Jared <laughs> McDonough has a new friend, Sammy Guevara. It's because I was trying to do... Uh, I was getting my head into a, another accent of like, call it a bump. This is a bump. Did a <laughs> leaping cutter off the barricade to the bim, floor. This is a bump. Um, Guevara. Um, <laughs> this is out of control. So, uh, Guevara... Shut up. Going after Jericho and Sting. Um, this allows uh, Darby Allen to hit Guevara with a coffin drop, and then they set up the tables, and you go, okay, here we go, here's the spot. Right, Darby Allen gets the ladder in position in the ring. Massive distance. I'm like, even for Darby Allen, that's a bit preposterous. So, Darby Allen goes up, and then Sting goes up as well. Right, this is the bit I thought I was going to do an insult. Right. <laughs> I, went, I went for... I was really angry at this point, because I was like... Where are you, Chris, mate? You're missing your spot because you can't set up Sting. Oh, I'm going to jump off the ladder. And then he goes, um, not yet, though. Where the Vicky? You know, to do that. I was expecting Jericho to cut him off because I was like, well, obviously Sting's not actually going to come off that. He's going to set up to do it. And he's going to fight him with Jericho. And then Dobby, I'm going to be like, all right, Dad, I'll do it instead sort of thing. No, uh, Sting jumps off the ladder, <laughs> smashes through Sammy Guevara through one of the tables. He's, I think he's lost a tooth. He oh. smashed his lips. It's an insane table. Smash his face on a table. <laughs> yeah. uh, in the midst of all this, uh, Darby Allen goes back into it with, with Chris Jericho. Uh, he dives back inside, but uh, and he hits the uh, skateboard thing off the off his back, and then Jericho manages to sidestep Darby Allen, who hits ladder face first. Uh, Jericho slams the ladder onto his bloody spine. Um, then Jericho gets sent into the ladder that busts him open. Darby Allen tries for a coffin splash, but Jericho hits him with the skateboard, and then he Judas affects Darby Allen, who goes to the floor. Sting somehow gets back up. 
Uh, goes for the Scorpion Death Drop. Jericho counters into the walls of Jericho. Sting crosses the corner, grabs a bat, and just twats Chris Jericho with it. Sting hits a Stinger Splash, goes for another, but Jericho hits a Code Breaker. Sting ju- ducks the Judas Elbow, goes for the sc- or hits the Scorpion Death Drop, gets a two count, which was... Uh, I can't, couldn't work this out whether or not it was this one, the first Scorpion Death Drop kickouts ever in AEW. The first, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. That's what they said on commentary. They're they're usually wild. they've taken the piss with commentary, but they usually get these facts right. Yeah. They're usually credible in that regard. Um, so Jer- <laughs> Kick out Jones. Jericho. It's a good bit, isn't it? We're definitely not all sick of. <laughs> Man in the mask tier. Jericho leaps for a drop kick, but uh, Sting Scorpion deathlocks him and gets the submission victory. Never write off Sting Jones and Jericho Jones. <laughs> 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 Never write them off. My God, I did it on the preview yesterday. I think, to be fair, a lot of people did. I thought this was tremendous. Maybe this has just got my mood going. Mm. It was only throughout the day where I was like, well, stop descending into self-parody, the elite. <laughs> oh, a lot of people said they did that four years ago. <laughs> um, I didn't. I was, I was still with them. This, I'd love this. It had the necessary carnage, the smoke and mirrors, where Sting and Jericho were brawling, not doing that much. And then you'd have these crazy cutters off barricades and all that stuff. And then that incredible Darby Allen bump that we talked about. But there was some like character and personality and wit in those exchanges with Sting and Chris Jericho. Like Jericho found a Sting sign in the crowd, crumpled it up, and force fed it to Sting. <laughs> and like got his jaw open. Oh, was like, yeah. Eh. Just like class, there's two old pros going to do what you want. Mm. As long as it doesn't hurt it, just do it. And then there's a tacit acknowledgement between the two that he can just do these things in the, the free format. Really enjoyed that. They couldn't eat it, Sting. <laughs> eat you. And that was funny. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> the spot was so well blocked and well built that the, the thing off the ladder, I didn't think, is he going to do a moonsault? But then he turned around. Because <laughs> he did think throughout, well, he's not going to do it. Yeah. And they made you, they reinforced that to you with the way that they did it. He's not going to do it because it took ages and then there was time for Sammy to get out of the way. And then he just simply did it. <laughs> and it was great. And I'll tell you what, that match within a match with Sting and Jericho for the last two minutes, it was as if genuinely Jericho would jump to TNA when Sting was just right at the end of it in terms of how he moved about and how they didn't really need smoke and mirrors. They just did some wrestling mm. and it looked not embarrassing at all. And it was really, really dramatic because there was more than one moment where I thought, is Jericho going to beat Sting? <laughs> is Jericho, don't beat Sting. Yeah. Oh, Jericho beat him. And when he didn't, I just, uh, the, the the good, legendary, cool guys won a match and I'm happy. Yeah. So this did a lot of heavy lifting for this episode of Dynamite. Not a lot to add, really. I was just immensely satisfied by the little exchange at the end. I don't necessarily want the singles match, though. I can understand the appeal of the graphic. How dramatic was that as well? Yeah. No right to be that dramatic. Super dramatic. I was totally on the hook for Jericho being the one. He's done a lot of jobs lately, Chris mm. Jericho. And there would be that argument, that kind of like that Brock Lesnar Undertaker argument of it's not about who Sting puts over, it's about what you do with it after the fact. And Jericho being the one to say, hey, precious Stinger. And then Stinger beats him in a one-on-one. It's something I'd, yeah, I'd, yeah, all yeah. of these thoughts going through your head at like for a second before something gets reversed or reduced that gets missed or whatever. So I just found it really satisfying. I love as well in the uh, another week of safety discussion um, and this idea of like what wrestlers are supposedly allowed to do with themselves. There's going to be more off the back of this one. And I would just say this example is one of the best of when, when the wrestler is absolutely tied in the right time to do it. We will remember the party match where Sting, the party dynamite match where Sting dove off a ladder through a table. This was absolutely not a wasted stunt for the sake of it. And some are, but this wasn't. 
unbelievable that bump. It's ridiculous. I wish he'd not cracked his face because he looked like he's sixty four. Yeah, he looked it when he was like you'd catch him in the eyes more than anything. It was like hey, you're all right, mate, because you've just smashed your face against a table that hasn't broken. So, uh, just to clarify, Stinks though, had a fall. Oh, it's a shame. No, no, he did it himself. Yeah, just to clarify the ladies' night results, uh, it is now uh, four correct answers for me, six correct answers for Sidge, and six correct answers for Michael Hamflet. Mm-hmm. There we are. That's just clarifying. Uh, but let us know your thoughts on eight. That was the most important part of the show, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Uh, let us know your thoughts on AEW Dynamite on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE, where I say you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Check out Michael Hamlet's ups and downs at WhatCulture.com right now. And me and Sidge will be back on Friday to look ahead to, of course, AEW Collision this weekend. And if time, if we find the time, we'll talk a little bit about Rampage and, of course, in that big match with uh, Brothers A and Matt Hardy, yeah? Anyway, uh, it's been the uh, Dynamite Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 